everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. We're recording remotely again. We've got Zoom open. It's interesting. We're doing it. I miss you. I know I miss you too. And we're talking about a more serious topic today, but I think that it's been much requested. So hopefully it will be very helpful. We're talking about investing with Sally Krawcheck. Yeah. So this, obviously the economy is quite different than when we initially recorded with Sally. We recorded with her, I think a little over a month ago, but I think that you guys are still going to get a lot out of this episode. Well, she's, she's fantastic. I'll say a few things. So first, Sally has been on my list of dream guests for forever. So I'm very excited. She definitely lived up to my expectations. Second thing is that ever since we did our always ask for more money episode last summer, people have been requesting an episode about investing and neither of us are experts. So we wanted to bring one on. And the third thing I'll say, and I am not an investment professional, so don't take my advice. However, if you go online and research, one of the best times to start investing in the stock market is when the market is down. Um, You're buying the dip. So Google buy the dip and hopefully you'll find some stuff. I'll try to find a video that I saw that explains it really well and put it in the show notes. But before we get into talking to Sally, Grace, how are you doing? I'm okay. So physically, I'm much better than last week. And thank you guys for not DMing me, uh, telling me that lost a sense of smell is a COVID symptom. Um, my sense of smell came back basically as soon as it rained, um, which I think it washed away a lot of the pollen. So that helped. Um, mentally, I really go back and forth. Every day is different. Yesterday was a good day. Today was not so much. I think I've realized that... Um, Instagram is a big culprit for me. This morning I woke up and I was like kind of groggy. So I was like, oh, I'll just scroll through Instagram. I found myself on Katie Couric's page. I was watching a video about the Elmhurst Hospital and different things going on there. I'm not going to say everything because it was so upsetting that I found myself in tears. And it just was a terrible way to start the day. So I have to make sure that I start with something positive, which makes me think I'm going to like really like maybe rework my morning routine to have more fun things. Like even if it's just like making my coffee and reading fiction for 30 minutes before I start working. That's a nice ritual. I've been going very hard at making a more elaborate breakfast than I would usually have the patience for. Like this morning I made made pan con tomate, which is something that I've always liked, but I've never made. It was easy. I was so impressed. I love that. It was delicious. But, you know, I've also been making like veggie omelets where I have to saute veggies or just doing something that usually I would not have the patience for. Yeah, I think that's great. I've been doing that as well, usually more for lunch um, and for dinner. But I've got to get a better morning routine because looking at sad Instagram articles is not helping. Yeah. Well, how about you? Um, I'm doing medium. I'm apparently on the opposite schedule as you. I'm definitely having ups and downs. But for me, yesterday was a bad day and today's a good day. So we're apparently on opposite cycles. Um, Alex and I FaceTimed earlier and she was she was laughing. She was like, I feel like we're all on different days. So at least like we can cheer each other up when we're having our own respective good days. That's actually really funny because you're right, because she was two days ago. I was yesterday and now you're today. Yeah. So that's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, let's see. How am I doing? I started working out after I said in last week's um episode that I hadn't done any workout, but since we're definitely social distancing through April, I figured that I needed to figure out something on the workout front. And I started Melissa Wood Health, which you were talking about last week. And I've only done it twice. I'm definitely not doing it every day, but um 
I th- I think it's been good and it's it's kind of a mood booster to work out. Yeah, definitely. I like that. I can do the classes. Most of them are under 30 minutes. And I like that I don't get sweaty enough that I have to take a shower because I'm <laughs> not into showering right now. Yeah. So that's good. Um, I would say I'm generally going a little bit stir crazy in terms of lack of face-to-face human connection and, you know, wanting to leave the house and not being able to. So, you know, I feel lucky that I have work and I have my health, but um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely going a little stir crazy. Yeah, I hear you on that. Well, let's talk about our highs and lows. What? Let's talk about something good. What's been your high this week? Mine, I guess, has just been getting a little weird on Instagram. Like I've started working on some funny videos that I'm going to post in the next few days and weeks. Um, and then I started every Monday here and I wear a matching outfit on Instagram. So it gives me something to plan. I'm very much um, in favor of the second part. I haven't seen the videos yet, so I can't say whether I'm in favor of them. But I think matching your animal is a is a big win. Yeah, matching Mondays. I have a cute highlight on Instagram where because I love it when people who follow me get involved too and match their animals. It's very cute. I don't have an animal to match. Sad. That is sad. Maybe you should get a dog. I actually looked into fostering a dog. And do you know that New York is out of dogs? Oh, my God. What about cats? I actually have no idea about cats. But um, a couple of the shelters that I follow um, posted that they were inundated with applications and they were like, we we don't have dogs. Oh, wow. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my high is that we sent out our first draft script of rom-com pods to a tight circle of friends for feedback this week. And so we're starting to get feedback in. And it's really exciting and scary to share it with people. So um, yeah, it just it feels more real now that we're letting other people into the circle and it's not just us. I still have to do mine. I'm so excited. You're very delinquent. I thought I had a week. You do, but it, a week is today. Oh, I'm going to do it today. I've Yeah. Between being depressed and work stuff, I'm very behind. That's okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's been exciting to share it with people and get people's thoughts. And I think generally people have liked it. Some of the feedback that we've gotten are things we already know we need to fix, but it's also just good to gut check it because, you know, when you're so close to something, you you get a little blind. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my high. What about on the low front? What's your low? On the low front, uh, it just – all the rain, like it definitely helped like with some of these allergies. But weekends – like it was very rainy for a lot of the weekend which definitely affects my mood. And then weekends are just the worst right now. Like there's no structure. If I'm not working, I feel very like I don't have a purpose. I'm not seeing people. It's very funny because, you know, three months ago, two months ago, my favorite weekend was a weekend with no plans. But that was because it would always end up with like something fun happening. And I just feel a little bit lost on the weekend because there's nothing to do. I hear and I mean, that. I could just work. But I don't, that that then depresses me. Yeah, that's I'm struggling with the same thing. So two weekends ago, I worked, and then by Monday, I felt really burnt out because I hadn't taken a break. And then this weekend, I took a break. But yeah. It, but then on Sunday, I kind of had this weird feeling where because I have been so unfocused, I like couldn't really account for anything that I'd done 
over the weekend where I wasn't like, oh, I like mm-hmm. watched this show or I read this book. I was like, oh, I just kind of like bebopped between a bunch of different things and didn't really do anything. And I felt like I was not yeah, relaxed or restored in any way. So I was like, I'm not ready for it not to be the weekend, but I don't know how to fix myself. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I just had yeah. this very Sunday afternoon. I was like, oh, that's the noise of my feeling. Yeah. No, I can relate to that noise on a very deep level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Becca, what's your low? Um, my low is that my bedtime has gotten so out of control. It's re- Mine too. It's really strange because it's not that I'm having trouble sleeping. Once I get in bed and decide to go to sleep, I can very easily go to sleep and I stay asleep. But it's just for some reason, the getting ready to go to bed piece is just getting later and later and later. I've been going, Same. I've been going to, oh. I've been going to bed at like one, which is so late for me. I usually am like an 11 o'clock bedtime person. I'm the same. I usually am in my bed at 10 to read my book. And I've been staying up till one and then sleeping till like 9.30. I'm not even sleeping late. So I'm just kind of cutting it at both ends. I don't know. I, I Last night, I actually kind of crashed. I was having a really bad day. And I think the lack of sleep ca- caught up with me. And I went to bed at nine. So. Oh, my God. I mean, that's, that's like amazing. the opposite, but I'm hoping to rein it in tonight and go to bed yeah. at a happy medium of like 10, 30 or 11 because yeah, my bedtime situation has gotten bad. Yeah. So guys, if you like this podcast, this is our desperation minute. Please, please help us out. Leave us a review. If you're listening and you're enjoying the episode, take a screenshot, throw it up on your Instagram story. We have, we're probably going to lose money on the podcast this month. So this is our plea that you please just help us out with this one little thing. We, we would really appreciate you helping us spread the word. If you have a friend who's bored, who might enjoy this podcast, tell them about us. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we have no ads it. in this episode, do we? No, we don't have another ad until the beginning of May. Yeah. So please help us. At least you can help the podcast grow. Sure. We just yeah. not doing either. That's okay. We're not here to complain. Yeah. We are here to entertain. Mm-hmm. Look at us. Okay. Yes. So let's get into our conversation with Sally. I am obsessed with her and I learned so much from this conversation. I also got so fired up about the wealth gap because of this conversation. Yeah, she is brilliant and she's so sassy and fun too. Here's Sally. So today we're talking to Sally Krawcheck. So Sally is the founder and CEO of Elvest, a digital investing platform for women and women plus founded in 2016. And prior to founding Elvest, Sally led Merrill Lynch, Smith Barney, and City Private Bank as CEO and was called the last honest analyst by Fortune magazine. Yeah, that happened. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Good to be here. We're we so excited to be here. We're at her office today. So this is new for mm. us. And we're so excited to talk to you about investing. Mm. Yes. So we introduced you, but can you just kind of walk us through how you got to where you are today? Yeah. So many ups and downs, much, you know, much, much happenings. Um, I grew up in South Carolina. Uh, I went to North Carolina, University of North Carolina, thinking I was going north. That was my big move. Uh, But when I graduated, um, I wanted to move to New York. My father forbid me, so I immediately moved to New York. And uh, (laughs) I love to say my, you know, I wanted to be, it was was the 70s and 80s when I was growing up. So I um, wanted to be a princess, but that didn't work out. So I- Hard job to get. Yeah, Yeah. it was a tough job to get. And so I went with my second choice of being a banker. Uh, (laughs) But I went into financial services in Wall Street just to see, you know, gee, can I hack it? Can I stand it? Am I good at it? 
um, was totally sexually harassed and bullied in the 80s at Solomon Brothers. And then, you know, when I got older, um, in my 30s, became a research analyst, so became very interested in the markets, loved it, loved the job. First claim to fame is um, I got rid of some of the Wall Street conflicts of interest that individuals were giving advice to different people when motivated to give different kinds of advice and the wrong advice to investors. And so um, took a stand on that and ended up, as you mentioned, on the cover of Fortune magazine as the last honest analyst. And then um, had the opportunity to run Smith Barney, be chief financial officer of City, sort of as a reward because, you know, if you're the client centered one, then you get, you know, that went on to run bigger businesses. But um, I've also been fired twice in publicly Wall Street Journal cover type of stuff. Uh, one time because, um, you know, we had missold some products, some investment products to clients and said they were low risk and thought they were, but they weren't. They were high risk and, um, you know, fought to reimburse clients partially and got fired, did, but got fired for it. And then this stage, just, gee, what can I do to make the world better, to make, you know, you know, build something that other folks can't really build. And I began to um, recognize that women don't invest as much as men do, um, that it costs the women who are listening hundreds of thousands, maybe a million dollars over the course of their lives, which is life-changing amounts of money. Money is women's number one source of stress. The act of saving and investing is the number one driver of our confidence in our future. And so I looked at this and said, by the way, we talk about the gender pay gap all the time. It's important. Women make 80, 82 cents to a man's dollar. We almost never talk about the gender wealth gap. Oh, that's interesting. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just how much we earn. It's how much we keep or how much we grow. Mm -hmm. And the gender wealth gap is 32 cents on a white man's dollar. Oh, my goodness. And going in the wrong direction. So it almost makes the gender pay gap look good. Um, and what's between the gender pay gap and the gender wealth gap? What is that difference? It's are you investing? Mm-hmm. It's also how much debt do you have out? And women have got less time in the workforce, more debt, and invest less. And so as I looked at this, I said the one thing I can try to help with is to help women invest more and get more control in control of their money. So can you tell us more about what Elvest is? So Elvest is the only um, investing firm we call it a fintech firm uh, built by women for women Um, and the only one certainly of any size. And so we are technology first. How can we use technology to build a capability to help women invest and really spend thousands of hours um, with women for what would motivate you to invest? Newsflash, it's not what the existing industry is selling, which is more, you know, trading and trying to outperform and watch CNBC and pick a winner. And what we found is women aren't particularly motivated by that. We're particularly motivated by, hey, I'd love to buy a house one day. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I'd love to leave this dead-end job and start my own business one day. Gosh, I'd love to not run out of money when I'm in retirement one day. And so that we, some people call that goals-based. What we found is very motivating is not the winning and the trading. It's the, what is my future? What is my future going to look like? Help me envision my future. I feel like in addition to just the mindset around investing, women also get very different advice around investing. And I loved your article that you wrote to just buy the fucking latte. Oh, my gosh. Um, yes. That's not how you're going to oh. in debt yourself. But what are some of the most pervasive oh. bad advice that's given to women around finance? Well, it's just it's horrible. Um, so I'd say, first of all, once you become aware of this, you can't unsee it, which is the advice to women is all about scarcity. 
Um, don't buy the latte. Don't have the facial. Oh, Carrie Bradshaw, you know, don't buy the shoes. You know, you women, you'd be in good shape if you just wouldn't do, the, do those frivolous, silly woman-like things. But nobody's saying don't buy the craft beer, right? right? No to the pickup truck. It's all this gendered, you know, sort of coded gendered discussion. And and what's really interesting is most women, after we wrote the article, just buy the effing latte, said, you know, I always sort of knew, to buy the latte, invest the money, you'll become a millionaire. Like, I always sort of knew that math didn't work. Right. But then I felt even dumber, mm-hmm. right? So obviously, if they say it'll work, it'll work. Newsflash, it doesn't work on any planet in this solar system. Um, and, and then I hit the scarcity that... Um, women today, girls today are really given a message all, all the way through of money as scarcity, budget, coupon clip. That's what they see mom do. That's what save. That's what they talk about in the home. Whereas little boys, it's be CEO, invest, grow, become wealthy. And actually, when you think about it, the, the money media today, very male oriented, CNBC, Bloomberg, Cranes, all vast majority of the audience are men. There's no money media really for women. And when it is, it's all, you know, don't buy the latte and take this quiz. What's your money type? You know, (laughs) are you? And then all about how hard it is, you know, invest, you know, financial planning doesn't have to be very, very hard. So as a result today, men, when you speak to them about money, you say the word, what comes to their mind is strength and power and independence. And for women, it's isolation, uncertainty and loneliness. Women for, prefer to talk about literally any other topic than money, including certainly sex. Yeah. Right? And their own death. I mean, think about it. If you and I go out for a drink afterwards and I'm like, hey, cremated or buried, you'll be like, that Sally's a little weird, <laughs> but cremated. But if I said, how much money did you make? You, you, you're like, no, that's offensive. I actually love talking about money. And yeah, we've talked yeah. very frequently about how uncomfortable people are sharing their salaries with their close friends. We're like, you don't need to put it on the internet. But but there's no amount of money we as women make that we don't feel embarrassed about. Think about it. Because it's either, you know, you make too much. And my friend is really struggling. She lives in a rat-infested apartment on the Lower East Side. Or... You know, I live in a rat infested apartment <laughs> on the Lower East Side, and shouldn't I be doing better after all I went to college and all this student loan debt? And so it's just not a topic, you you beside, that we tend to speak about. And I'd love to joke, I, I think it's a joke, that if men had gotten together 150 years ago and said, how do we keep the power for ourselves? This is what they would have done. Make money a source of scarcity or shame or embarrassment so women won't talk about it. Then they won't go to Wall Street as much. They won't have the good jobs. We won't build the business for women. They won't invest as much. They won't go to venture capital, the good jobs. We won't fund their bill. Yeah. You know, and look, what, you know, when I get myself all worked up, I say, and the bottom line is we all know there wouldn't be a time's up or me too moment if women had as much money as men do. There just wouldn't be because we wouldn't take it. Right. Right. Because we'd have as much power and we wouldn't take it. And so this topic, you know, while it feels as tacky to talk about, is, a, is at the core of the relative power that we have. It's the core of gender equality. Well, let's talk about investing. Let's okay. talk about how to get money. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. So we crowdsourced these questions and I feel like the pervasive feeling was just overwhelmed. People didn't know where to start. So I guess the first thing, is there a certain amount of money that somebody needs to start investing? No, that's why. So we founded Elevest with no minimum. So there, so first of all, let me back up. Okay. The sense of overwhelm, let's all take a deep breath. It's the industry sort of has done this to us because there's so much jargon and a gender difference. You know, we think as women, the gender difference is we don't know as much as guys do. No. The gender difference is they just invest even though they don't understand. That's the gender difference. And we have been socialized to, oh, I got to get an A. You know, I got to get an A. I got to be good at everything. And so we're all like, I have to learn everything before I invest. There are really just some fundamentals you have to know, um, you know, which is, you know, is the company acting in my best interest that I'm investing with? Are they a fiduciary? That's one. Keep cost low. That's another, right? Look at those fees. Um, Take on more risk, have more equities in your portfolio if you're younger, less if you're older. You know, when you're younger, you can afford a little risk to get some more return. When you're older, you can afford less. Make investing a habit. That's about it. Okay. There's not a lot. That's about it. But to answer your question, you know, I want the the real key here. So the, the men make a lot of investing mistakes. They overtrade and they spend too much money. Women don't make those mistakes. They make one big mistake. What's they that? They don't invest enough and they don't invest soon enough. Okay. And the sooner you can invest, even if it is $10 or $100 or $1,000, the sooner your money can start working for you rather than you working for it. And what do I mean by that is the sooner you can compound. And what is compounding? It's when you earn money on the money you earned. And then you earn money on the money on the money on the money that you earned, right? So when you first invest, you just earn on that little bit you put in, but then you earn more money on it. You keep that money in and then you earn money on those two chunks of money. And then you earn money on the three. And that power of compounding is what makes people wealthy. And so the sooner you can get in and make it some percent out of every paycheck getting invested, the sooner you can you can really start to, to have some money. But start with, at Elevest, you can start with, you can open an account with a penny. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So our next question was, if someone only has a small amount of, to invest, what's the best place to start? Elevest. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's it. There's a one word answer. The answer would be Elevest. Well, truthfully, look, investment minimums, to be a little sparky, are sexist and racist. Yeah. Right? Because if you don't have the money, unless you're a white guy, then that's sexist and racist. And so, you know, at an Elevest... And I don't want to make it a commercial for us, but what the hell, here I am. <laughs> um, you know, if you invest with us, you will go in, you won't have to figure out, do I want to buy this equity or this bond or this, you know, this kind of, you know, should I buy gold? We do that for you. We've got decades and decades of experience. So we will, for everybody, put together what's called a diversified investment portfolio. And what that means is we'll put in, we'll buy a whole bunch of different stocks in what's called an exchange-traded fund, like a mutual fund. So we'll buy, you know, we'll buy in a way that you have big exposure, you have small bits of ownership in a whole bunch of companies, a a whole bunch of bonds. Those are um, where a company essentially borrows money from you. They're debt obligations of a company. Um, We'll invest for you both in U.S. stocks, but global stocks as well. U.S. bonds, small companies, large companies. Why do we do that? Diversification is really important in investing because it means you're not just buying, say, Facebook 
And that's great if Facebook goes up, but really terrible if it goes down, yeah. lack of diversification. So one, the, w- when you invest, you want to really diversify and have a whole bunch of investments. It means you might not make as much, but you might you won't lose as much historically right. either. And so even if you have $10, you come and you say, at LFS, what do I want to do? Well, I want to build wealth. That's a goal we have. Or I want to buy a house in five years. You're not going to get a very big house for $10, even if you invest it, but you see my point. <laughs> you know, I want to retire. I want to have a, you know, go through. And then we will invest in a portfolio based on your goal, you know, what part of the country you're in for what kind of house, you know, what industry you're in. We'll forecast how much money you make to build a portfolio. We'll put together a highly personalized portfolio for you. So we're going to take a quick break to tell you about one of our favorite podcasts, which is A Few Things by Erica Cerullo and Claire Mazur. So you might know them as the co-founders of the website Of A Kind, RIP, and the co-authors of the book Work Wife. Yes. And you might remember from when we had them on our podcast a few episodes back. Yeah. So we are just a little bit obsessed with both of them. One of the things I love about their podcast is that it's all about discovery. So Claire and Erica just always manage to find the coolest things. The coolest stuff. So a few things has been described as a unique mix of urgent discussions of non-urgent things and thoughtful discussions of important and often ignored things. And we love that take. It is just the perfect mix of random topics. Yes, I especially enjoy all the urgent discussions of non-urgent things. I loved they had an episode last week where they talked about their favorite newsletters, and I got so many good recs. And besides being absolutely awesome people, Claire and Erica have developed a warranted reputation as influential curators with a knack for spotting the next big thing when it's still a small thing. Yes. And I also love their newsletter. It's so thoughtfully done. It's something that I look forward to every week. Same. I've been getting it for years. Well, it used to be the of a kind newsletter, but now it's just theirs. Anyway, we love Claire and Erica so much. They have the best shopping recommendations. They always have such thoughtful guests on their podcast. They always know about random weird trends before their trends. Um, so we think you'll love their podcast as much as we do. And if you want to listen, check out a few things in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, go do it. And also sign up for their newsletter at clareandericka.com. Let's get back to Sally. What about, so we're in the very beginning phase, Mm -hmm. maybe somebody's in their 20s or maybe just -hmm. getting to the point where they're investing. How should somebody think about saving versus investing? Great question. Um, So before we even get get to that, how do you think about taking care of your debt? And so there's an order in which one should do these things. Um, Order number one is you want to pay off any high interest rate credit card debt. Okay. And too many of... People I know, and I'm sure your listeners, have got money in savings and they've got credit card debt, or they're investing money and they've got credit card debt. Stop. Do not pass go. Pay off the credit card debt. That can cost you 19%, 20% types of interest rates. And so you want to get that high interest rate debt paid off, anything above 7 8%. Okay. So that's student loans too. Um, Anything below 5 6%, leave it outstanding, pay the minimums, carry on. But step number one before you build savings is you get that credit card debt paid, okay? Step number two is if you're at work, particularly with a 401k that has a match, you want to put money in that. Well, what does the match matter? That's free money. If someone says, hey, for every dollar you put in up to a certain amount, we put in a dollar, 
you can't get those kind of returns in any market I know of. Get that free money. We so, both work for ourselves. Nobody's giving us free money. Yeah, yeah. So not you, but other people who have it, go for that. The third thing that you want to do then is build a savings account, also called an emergency fund, which should be about three months of your take-home pay. Um, oh, that's a lot. Build it over time. Um, when you are more mature, um, not like me, obviously, but other people I know who are more mature and have tougher, and she laughs, um, have more complicated lives, you want it to be six months of take-home pay. All right, now you begin to invest some amount out of every paycheck into an Elevest or some other investment firm. Oh, how much do I invest? Okay, back up. Take home pay. Um, uh, 50% of it should go to needs. Okay. That's your rent. That's your gas. That's your subway card. That's the outfit you need for work. 30% to fun. I know that's a little counterintuitive, but guess what? We're only on this earth for so long. We'd better have a good time. Fun. Okay. F-U-N. I'm just just double checking. It sounded like you said fine, and I was like, what's fine? No, F-U-N. Grace just surprised that she gets to spend 30% I know. But again, this is because of this whole scarcity, like don't buy the latte. No, buy the fucking latte. Buy the effing latte. We encourage it. If my mom listens. (laughs) And then 20% goes to grandma you. Okay. And by grandma you, that's future you. And that is, in that order, paying down the credit card debt, right? That counts, paying off the high interest rate student loan debt, building the emergency fund investing, doing something for her. Maybe you name her. Mine's named Esther. Old Sally is Esther. (laughs) I got to take care of Esther. And I got to take care of Esther because my husband's mom lived to 100, so maybe Gary will outlive me. But typically, 80% of us women die alone, die single. Okay, so if I don't take care of Esther, no one is. And so you take the 50, 30, 20, and that's how you invest in future you. Make sense? It does. Another thing that we got asked, though, was what if you don't have this natural saving mentality? What if saving is hard for you? Um, Just do it. The great thing about 50, 30, 20 is it forces you to live below your means. You know, if you go home, you set it up, um, maybe use different accounts. Right. So the 50 goes into my checking account and I know how much that is and it goes out, you know, every month. Mm -hmm. The 20% gets invested, you know, every month off the top. And and then the 30% is there and that's left over. And that's for me to have a good time. And by the way, once it's done, it's done. That means, you know, if I went out to dinner with a whole or I went to a weekend, it is over. And so automating is, you know, having the Mm -hmm. rule, sitting down, going through the numbers, then having the rule and automating as much as you can, perhaps with different accounts. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk to a lot of women here who have a, one debit card as their fund debit card, and that's where the 30% goes, and they always know it. Mm-hmm. Now, what I do recognize um, is that, wait a minute, I can't do the 20% right now. I, I just got out of school. I'm in the moss, in the moss, the mouse ridden, you know, walk up in the East Village, the rent's too much. I got it. And some of this, you know, moves over time, but try at least 1% mm-hmm. to future you, right? Just one. In a few months, take it up to two. Take it up to three. There, there'll be things you can figure out that you can cut out along the way. Spend half an afternoon, you know, one day. Try this. Call your cell phone provider. Threaten to leave. See if they'll give you a better deal, right? You know, call your utility provider. So, you know, now in certain cities you can switch, see if you can get a better deal. You know, go through, call your student loan provider. 
um, beg for lower interest rates. You'd be shocked by how often people get this. And so beginning to spend a little bit of time about how can I cut some of these expenses out? You know, are you really watching Netflix and HBO Plus and Disney Plus? I mean, like how much TV can a person watch? (laughs) Get rid of one of those. Sure. Hulu, Hulu. We don't need Hulu. (laughs) Really? Do we need Hulu anymore? I was just thinking I need to cancel my Hulu. I mean, I I always go to Hulu and I'm like, I don't think I need you. Yeah. (laughs) And they don't even serve, like they serve me up the weirdest stuff. I'm like, no, all I ever do is watch This Is Us Mm -hmm. (laughs) to cry. And like, you'd think they would serve it up to me, but they're like, here's a vampire movie. I'm like, never in my life (laughs) have I watched a vampire movie Hulu. Well. Maybe they think you're going to start now. I guess. <laughs> like, probably. <laughs> probably. Their, uh, their uh, algorithm probably said she's a bitch. Let her watch a vampire video. <laughs> Wait, so if someone's a newer investor, mm-hmm. how should they think about short versus long-term investments? Yeah, how so, much goes to Esther versus how much goes to buying a house when I'm 40? Yeah, well, that is that is part of how why we built Elevis because we didn't see anybody answering that question. And so we, within our product, enable you to make those trade-off tools. And it's really for you to decide because these things are, you know, if you're doing one, you, you can't necessarily do the other. Right. I want to buy the house when I'm 40, but I want to retire. Well, what we enable you to do within our product is if I put another $1,000 in the house, how much more house do I get? Versus I put $1,000 to my retirement. How much is that? Newsflash, it's a lot more when you retire. But people want the house. And that'll be different for everybody. But that's why we built something that will help you do the trade-off. Now, the the bottom line is it's all personal. The bottom line is if, you know, for your shorter-term goals when you invest, you'll want to invest in less risky investments, more what's bonds, fixed income, it's called, things that don't have as much risk to it where – you know, you know, a company and remember a bond is essentially you're loaning money to a company. Um, that company pays you back. They don't pay you back three hundred dollars on the on the dollar, right? So your upside is limited, but they don't, you know, if the company doesn't go out of business, you get the money back. So the risk is less. Whereas an equity ownership in a company, it can go high, but it can also go to zero. Yeah. And so again, back to a diversified portfolio, you want to have both of those. But if your your goals are nearer term, you know, if you are older, then you want to be less risky, more bonds. If you're younger, you want to be more risky, more equities. And when, if ever, does it make sense for somebody to be investing in individual stocks versus a fund? Um, only with the money that you um, don't need um, and, you know, but want to have fun with. Investing in individual stocks simply doesn't work. And the reason that it doesn't work is because the what are called the equity markets are efficient. You t- turn on CNBC, and if you are buying and selling stocks, you're essentially betting that you are smarter than everybody on CNBC, everybody on the New York Stock Exchange, everybody on the NASDAQ Stock Exchange, everybody in their offices on Wall Street that are doing research on stocks, everybody in the hinterland, you know, that are doing research on stock, and that somehow you have seen something that makes you smarter that that stock is going to go up. Because all the known information in a company, in a stock, is reflected in the price of the stock, right? People trade them every day. When people are more optimistic about a stock, the stock goes up. When they're less optimistic, it goes down. The markets are efficient in that way. So you are essentially, when you're trading individual stocks, I think I know more about the future of Facebook than anybody does, including everybody who owns it at Facebook. That's a pretty hard thing to do. And you can do it a few times 
you know, you go to a cocktail party. Oh, I bought Facebook. Look at me. It's a tech company. <laughs> you know, and that's mo- that can be a lot of dumb luck. Um, over time, people who do that, um, act, what they call active managers, outperform the market, beat the market or better than the market over five years consistently. The percent of those who do it is 0.1%. Oh, my goodness. 0.1%. Wow. It's not doable. Nobody's that smart. Right. Even computers aren't that smart. And so it's, you know, you you can make money because the market historically has been sort of upward trending, but you're trading stock. By the only th- worst thing to do this with is Bitcoin. Okay. Like Bitcoin, I know your boyfriend probably was like, hey, I made a lot of money in Bitcoin. No, he didn't. He's just saying that. <laughs> because actually, you know what? I'm going to give you one statistic for your female listeners um, where, again, we've been socialized when, you know, if we're in partnered, we're in relationships, we're in a relationship with a man, we have historically outsourced the money, the management of the money to the man. And then we've done the womanly stuff like cooking and birthday parties and all that stuff. When that money comes back to us, which it does because 80% of us die single, um, when it comes back to us, we have a negative surprise 74% of the time. Now I pause, not half the time. It isn't, oh, they get it. You know, it's a, it's not even a coin toss. Right. 74% of the time. So all those guys who are out there saying I made money in Bitcoin, they may have, but they're not telling you then they lost it all and more the day after. Or they made money in Bitcoin, but they lost money trading, you know, Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a very surprising. That's like shocking. Yeah. Shocking. That's wild. Can we move on mm-hmm. to investment 201 maybe? We okay. have a couple 201 okay. questions. Okay. Yeah. All so right. Let's see how good I am. Somebody said, I think you can handle these. Yeah. Somebody yeah. said <laughs> this is their first year where their income is too high for a Roth IRA. Okay. And so what's the best alternative? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, start investing, right? So you've got, you know, the 401k. Um, you can invest in, in individual retirement accounts um, as well. But that's when you start to open a brokerage account okay. and invest in stocks and allow um, your money to grow on a, t- on a taxable basis mm-hmm. as opposed to a tax-deferred or tax-free basis. What about financial advisors? Mm-hmm. So someone wrote, financial advisor one-on-one. Do you need one? How do you find one? What do they charge? This was a very popular question. People seem to want a person to manage their money. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to like a well, platform. So I'll tell you what we do at Elevest. Um, at Elevest, we have today three offerings um, for people who are looking for different things. So one offering is digital forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it costs a quarter of a percentage point of your assets. Um, we have a customer service team. Um, but it is an online experience. And right. so, and a lot of people feel like it's a personal online experience, right? The import investment portfolios are highly customized to each individual, your individual characteristics, including your gender, you know, whether you're male, female, non-binary, you're taken into account, which matter because of different lifespans, different earning profiles, and they can feel like they've got a personal relationship and a quarter of a percentage point, you know, on the assets under management is enormously competitive. Um, we have another offering, which is called our premium offering, uh, for which the fee is half a percentage point. There is a $50,000 minimum. And you also get a certified financial planner, someone to help you with your planning, talk through expenses, and an executive coach, someone to have a career talk with. Very unusual. Oh, that is very interesting. Very unusual. Yeah. And then we have a high net worth offer, what we call a private wealth offering, in which you get a full financial advisor. And what does that Minimum start at. And, and that's a million dollars. Okay. And that's, you know, it varies depending on the assets. And why does it get more expensive? Because people are more expensive. 
And so it's a matter of, I really, oh, nope, you know what? I really like being online and that takes care of my needs. Or no, you know what? I need someone to really talk me off the ledge here on the credit card expenses. Um, So it's what, you know, we try to have a range of things so that whatever your personal situation is, you can call on someone or or not. And is there a dollar amount where having a physical person makes more sense because of the complexity or because of your situation or not really? It's it's a personal thing. I mean, for some, it's, you know, I've got the investing. It's, you know, I invest, you know, percent of every paycheck into diverse. I'm I'm done. Yeah. But I need to be talked off the ledge for X, Y, or Z, Mm -hmm. right? And that isn't necessarily based on how much money you have. It's sort of based on your personality and how you prefer to, to engage and interact. But there's absolutely no... If you have this much money, you have to have a person. Yeah. Or if you have that this you know this amount of money, you can't. Okay. Right? We and so that's why we try to customize. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and another really popular question was, what are the pros and cons of investing in real estate versus yeah. the stock market? And does that change based on where you live? Yeah. So real estate's interesting. So by real estate, I'm going to assume you mean buying a home or an apartment or a condo. I do mean that, but I would also be interested in your opinion on investing in the stock market versus an investment property as well. Yeah. So let's talk about this. So the stock market historically, um, in good years and bad years, up years and down years, um, ever since the 1920s has gone up on average 9.7% a year. Okay. Okay. So that includes, you know, tough days in the market, buying the day before, you know, the crashes, the recoveries. And so that's a pretty good return, by the way, versus close to nothing on your savings account. Um, Real estate over the same period of time has gone up about 3% a year. Okay. The other issue with real estate, or there are other couple of issues with real estate. One, most people cannot buy real estate without taking on a mortgage. That's debt, right? So money that that you owe. Um, Whereas you know, I would not recommend anybody buys equities on what is called margin, which is borrowing money in order to buy equities. Okay. And so that debt increases the risk. Think about it, right? So if my equities, if it goes up 9.7% a year on average, you know, and, you know, it goes down in some years, I'm down the amount it went down. Real estate, if it goes down and I have to sell, I could end up owing more money to the bank who provided me the mortgage then I had quote unquote equity in it, right? Mm-hmm. So I bar I took out a mortgage, maybe 80% of the value of the home was a mortgage. You know, I own 20%. Real estate goes up on average 3% a year, but happened to go down 30%, which can happen. My all my value is wiped out and I owe the bank more money than mm-hmm. the house is worth when I sell it. Okay. So that's a higher risk profile for a lower return. In addition, you can you might not like the price at which you can sell equities every day in the stock market, but it's open five days a week. Right. Right. You try to sell a house, you might not get your money out for months or years. But and so yeah. In the example of buying a house for you to live yeah. in, though, rent is just throwing money out the window. Well, it's buying you a place to live. Sure. Um, but it is not in theory building equity. Right. Nor in theory, you know, and by the way, with homes, you also have to spend maintenance. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, as one who owns a home, roofs leak, <laughs> right? Toilets yeah. break. Stuff just happens. And so it's not, you know, it's not just that. It's right. the, you know, your landlord fixes mm-hmm. stuff up when, when you rent it. And so look, I'm all for home ownership. 
I love, I love looking at homes on the internet. I love going to open houses that I shouldn't be at to see how other people live. (laughs) I love doing construction. I mean, I love everything about it except as an investment. Okay. So the only, you know, again, if I came to you with two investments and I said, equity market, you don't need to take out debt. You can sell it any day. The return has been 9.7% annual versus real estate, much lower return. You could go bankrupt from it and you might not be able to get out. Which one would you do? You do equities all day long, all day long, but it's a place to live. Well, and that matters. I didn't ask this question, but uh, this was a listener question, but you've made me feel a lot better about renting and not being able to afford a home in New York City in the the foreseeable future. But it could go either way, right? And and so it could be five years from now, you're like, damn it, I wish I had, you know, thrown, stopped everything and bought a place. It could be because it could go up. But what the lesson here is you want to have, you don't want to take out huge mortgages, right? Because there can be swings up and down. Right. And you want to buy a home only when you know you're going to be in it for a while. You don't want to buy something like, I'm going to flip it next year. Yeah, mm-hmm. that can work for people. But that is not the way to do it. It should be a place where you live, mm-hmm. where you fix it up over time, where you love it, where you enjoy it. And then if you give yourself the time, then you it will appreciate. Right. Historically, that's what's happened. But it's just if you do it for a short period of time, you could get caught out. I did. When I was uh, out of school, I bought in. I bought a place in London, and the property market crashed, and I couldn't sell it for years. And it was, you know, really, really scary. Yeah, yeah. Wait, the next question is one I really love because I'm very curious about your take. This person wrote, "What is your advice for thinking about money and marriage, and should you combine savings accounts? Yeah. Should you get a prenup, and does this change if you out earn your partner?" Oh, so much. So, so much. I mean, this gives a, a whole this like a thing, right? Yeah. Um, Just be our lo- life coach, Sally. Yeah. Um, and actually, in our Alabest magazine, we have a lot. We have a lot of articles on this because it comes up so so much. So here, here's what I would say: There's no right answer except do not outsource the management of your money. Do not. You know that if you decide you want to combine the checking, you want to combine the savings, even if you want to combine the investing, just don't take your eye off the ball. That is dangerous to your financial health, as we talked about before. It just is. And even if, you know, I was in a marriage that, and he took care of all the money and I just trusted him, trusted him, trusted him till the moment I found out he was having an affair with a friend of mine. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I let this person manage my money. I can't trust him at all. That's not going to happen to any of y'all. I hope, but it could, but I hope it won't. But even if not, we still talked about when you get the money back. 74% of people have a negative surprise. So however you want to do it, just don't outsource it. And then there, and and the one thing in particular that I would not let him or her have control over is my retirement savings. They're called individual retirement accounts for a reason. And you need to be making sure that 10% of your take-home pay, you know, is going into that or 8% or 12% or some chunk is being invested in that regularly before you, you know, before you Pasco and collect the two hundred dollars. Um, you know the other thing we play with here is when you combine your money, uh, what is an equitable way to do it? And typically, what we have d- set up till about a week ago was, all right, you know, let's say you make a hundred and she makes fifty, right? Then figure out what your expenses are, and you put in two dollars for every one dollar she puts in. That seems fair, right? Mm-hmm. And then. 
you know, you've got, you make more money, but you've got more money left over and she's got, you know, she makes less money, she inputs less. But, but then I started to think about it and we started to think, wait a second, if you're in a relationship with a man and you're a woman, if you do the same job, he's going to make more money than you do. And then he's going to have more left over than you do. And so the, and so he can, he can buy the boat the sailboat right. when you got to buy the little, you know, tricycle scooter. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't feel fair it's that you're having the gender inequities perpetuated in your home. And so yeah. then we were like, hold on, you know, maybe what you do is you decide what the expenses are. Then you make sure that each of you, when it's left over, has the same amount to spend. And that's, you know, the remaining amount you put in to take care of the expenses so that you put even even in much less than he does. It takes a little math, right? Yeah. yeah. So I can go with either way, but I, you know, all of a sudden we've just become aware of, well, why would you perpetuate the inequities so that you've got less fun money? That's so interesting. I've never thought of it like Me that. Either. When you were like, that sounds fair. I was like, you're right. That yeah. does sound fair. You're right though. Until you realize that yeah. just because, you know, we live in a patriarchal society, he he gets more. Yeah. What about the prenup? Yeah, definitely do one of those. Okay. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, it, I did not. My husband, well, we got, we've been married for a long time, but he came to me, you know, a few weeks before the wedding and want to sign a prenup. And I did the whole drama thing. I mean, the whole, I did the, I took every ounce of drama to be squeezed from the interaction <laughs> I took advantage of. I cried, I railed, I cried some more. I, almost fainted. I was like, how <laughs> dare you want to negotiate the divorce when we're not even married? If this is how you feel, I don't think we should get married. And you know that. And I mean, I did the whole thing. And then ever since we got married, I made way more money than he did. now I'm yeah. like if we got divorced then it's gonna cost me so much money we should have <laughs> signed the prenup and kept said I was gonna keep everything but I was like what an idiot <laughs> so anyway the good news is we haven't gotten divorced <laughs> but look it's um you know I think it's a it's the stuff happens just stuff happens yeah you know and you you hopefully you're married for a very long time but people change circumstances change Nobody gets married thinking I'm going to be one of two, the, the two people who get divorced. Right. But yeah. it's it's happening to half of us and um, it can very well happen to any of us. And so just, you know, in a, in a early, you know, before you get engaged early, you know, like I believe in a prenup and we would want to keep things separate as separate and just get it, just sort of get it laid out, um, I think is the way to go. Yeah. So changing gears a little bit, somebody asked about investing in businesses that align with their values. And they specifically said, are cause-driven investments, so specifically like eco-friendly or female-founded, are they inherently less lucrative? No, 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 no. Good. So how do you find investments? We have them at Elevest. This is such old thing. This is really, when somebody says this, you do like an okay boomer. Yeah. Did they used to be? Yeah, they did. And so this is people who have not, in my opinion, updated their thinking, looked at the latest research. You know, how could this be, right? Female run, female founded businesses outperform male founded businesses by 63%. Companies that have more women on their boards and in leadership teams outperform less diverse companies, male only companies by a ton. Higher returns, lower risk, greater innovation. It's, you know, and 
you know, saving the environment, that has to be a return reducing initiative. In fact, that that is should be the biggest growth business on the planet right now. And so it's just old thinking. Um, and and the industry and the the expertise around this has evolved. And so how do you do it? Well, you know, you won't be surprised here. We offer it Elevest because we were getting so much demand from women. And so um, in fact, 78% of women say they're interested in at least learning about investing for impact, but just a single digit percent of financial advisors speak to us about it. Wow. It's sort of viewed as a, oh, cute girls, you know, really cute. Outside of environmentally friendly or female founded, what, what other cause social, social um, governance issues? So um, look, you know, we hear a lot here about um, women not wanting to invest in companies that manufacture guns. Yep. Right. Um, product safety issues that those can. And we've really spent a lot of time on this. And when we have in our private wealth business, something we call Elevest Intentional Impact Portfolios, and we spent a lot of time and said, well, if we are all about women first and the women getting more money, more money in the hands of women, you know, what can it mean if in our investments we put women first? And it does mean investing in companies with a higher percent of the board. However, but we said, you know what? If the environment deteriorates, it hurts women more. If there are product safety issues, they hurt women more. If there are online privacy issues, it hurts women more. Gun violence hurts women more. And so we looked at sort of a range of things that said, if we really are about advancing women, all these things, fixing them for half, you know, they hurt women more for half the population makes it better for all of us. Yeah. Um, And so we, you know, we truly, we really truly believe in this. Um, and and think that the thinking is just outdated otherwise. And we, you know, we had an interesting moment, by the way, after one of the tragic shootings. Um, I think Elevest was the only investing company out there um, that that um, gave disclosure on what percent of our investment portfolios were invested in gun manufacturers. We're the only ones who did it. And I can't remember the number, but they were low. They were the percent was sub one percent, you know, maybe like point zero point one percent. And I write a weekly newsletter and I put it in the newsletter and I had a woman um, email me back and she said, thank you for that. Can you take it to zero? And I said, unfortunately, we can't. The building blocks of our investment portfolios are exchange traded funds. They're in there. I can't subtract them out. It, it's very, it's just is what it is. And she wrote me back and she said, okay, I'm going to, I really appreciate that. I appreciate your transparency. I'm going to close my LFS account because that's too much for me. And I said, that is totally fine. What are you going to do with the money? Do you mind if I ask? And you said, I'm going to um, keep, put it in my bank. What bank? Wells Fargo, the number one lender to gun manufacturers in the world. And so the moment, you know, the sort of aha moment yeah. was your money has an impact. doesn't matter whether you know it, mm-hmm. it does. And so since everything you do with your money has an impact, being aware of it, and to the best of your ability, aligning with your values. Look, if we did that, I'm on, I'm on a rant right now. Okay? Please. No, I love you it. You know, what drives me nuts a little bit is we all use the word empower. Women have to be empowered. We're empowering women. I, and I get it. I've used it for forever. Fantastic. It means to be given power. That's the dictionary definition, right? We have power. We direct 85% of consumer spending. We control $7 trillion of investable assets. We are 51% of the workforce. You know, if we ever decided to come together and said, you know what? I don't like the practices of that bank. They're out of business. I don't like the practices of that, you know, cosmetics company. They're out of business. I don't like 
the way this company's ruining the environment. And, and we haven't done it yet, but we have got power. It's just we aren't fully aware of it, and we're certainly not using it. I, I now need to go be more critical of where my money is invested. Yeah, yeah. But our yeah. money is our power. In a capitalist society, money is power. And just because we don't have as much as the guys, right, right, doesn't mean we don't have any money. And so being really intentional with where where we spend it. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to switch gears to some personal questions. Oh, okay. Let's do that. Are you ready? Right. I am ready. All right. So Sally, you might have already said it. I don't know. But what is the worst personal finance mistake you've made? Yeah, it was definitely outsourcing it to my first husband. Not the, um, not the place in London? No. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you the worst personal finance mistake I made was when I was brought in to run Merrill Lynch. Um, I had a handshake agreement with the CEO of Bank of America who um, hired me and who ran the company on how much money I was going to make. Um, and he told me it couldn't be a signed contract because the regulators and blah, 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 blah. And I remember was saying, well, what would cause you not to pay me this? And he's like, well, you have my word. And we went for a walk in the woods is what the head of HR told me. Oof. I didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> well, you know, he retired like two years before he was told me he would. Um, the incoming CEO did not pay me that year paid me 70% of what the handshake was. The next year paid me my bonus 0% and the third year paid me 0%. And so I was taking what I thought was this job that was going to just be lucrative. Um, and I think I ended, I think I say, I think it it ended up costing me money to work there because I bought the stock in bank of America and it went down at the same time. Yeah, it was bad. Okay. It was bad. And then when they when they reorged me out, they gave me uh, sixteen minutes, fourteen minutes between the time they told me I was being reorged out, and it was on CNBC. Therefore, not allowing me to let my dad know before he saw it on TV. Oh man! Oh. So the lesson here is always yeah. get it on paper. Yeah, yeah, it is. Be good on paper. It is, and and that you know, particularly when it comes to business, because people are like, "But don't you trust me?" And yeah, I trust you, but people lose their jobs and go on to other things. And, you know, it's not necessarily the person that you trust who you're going to be dealing with on the other side of the table. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk more about getting fired? Mm. You've mentioned it a couple of times. And it's such a stigmatized Mm -hmm. experience. And I want to know for you, how did you regroup to find both a new role? And also, I don't know if it jolted your confidence, but to like refine or maintain your confidence. Yeah. So um, the research tells us that we women take failure harder than men. And I don't know if I absolutely believe that. Yeah. I mean, we love to get our A's, you know, when you if when and if you have kids and you have a son and a daughter, the daughter will come home. I'm like, I don't know. I got to be. And your son's like, I got a C plus. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I don't know what it is. They, they play football. I don't know. They fall down. They get back up. Um, You know, for me, um, you know, I, this whole, did I hit my confidence? No. And I think for a couple of reasons, one of which I ran very good businesses. I wasn't fired for performance. I was fired for sort of culture issues right. um, and d- disagreements with the CEO. But the other is, you know, one of the questions you might ask, do, have you ever had imposter syndrome? The answer is no, absolutely not. I'm as smart as they are. Just as smart. I just know it. I mean, I just am. I'm Can not, you bottle that? Can yeah, I get I some of Can that? I've, I've worked I worked on Wall Street with the yeah. guys for forever. And I'm like, 
you're not smarter than me. I mean, you might be a little smarter than me, but just you're not. It's just not. That's not the difference. It's not, and I can outwork any of you. Um, and I think I've got you know this growth versus set mentality. Mm-hmm. I just believe that I can learn things, and I just can. And so even when I got fired, it wasn't like oh no. Um, and I think the thing that most motivated me is that I realized how, probably counterintuitively, I realized how incredibly lucky I am. Like, I mean, this is fucking amazing. I mean, this is just amazing that we have these opportunities to work in interesting careers and doing interesting things. And there's food on the table at night and we've got iPhones and we can watch Netflix and, you know, life, you know, yeah, there are many things to worry about, but life is good. And I think we only have one time on this earth. And so why wouldn't you play loose and go for it and take risks and then get back up as opposed to, you know, feel. And by the way, the other thing I learned is nobody cares. Like nobody cares. Do you care that I got fired? No. Not at all. Yeah. Right. The embarrassment is this sort of overinflated view that people care. Right. You know, are they looking at me? They'll look at you for a minute and then everybody's on to their own stuff. I have a feeling I'm going to just play this interview over and over again every time I need like <laughs> your hype talk a little confidence oh Matt talk I'm Matt talking yeah <laughs> but she doesn't watch cheer she doesn't even know I don't watch cheer oh my god Do I've been have, trying to get her Monica's my <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna like partner. it I'm, oh you're no gonna, you're, you're gonna, gonna like love it, it. everyone says it. that I just don't understand why I'd want to watch a just, nonfiction show about it's emotionally manipulative. Like oh. you, you were, it is designed to make you like it, <laughs> even if you don't minutes. care about just a cheerleading. Thirty minutes. I will give you thirty minutes. Thirty minutes. You'll like, and it. then email me. Okay. You'll be like Monica <laughs> is the man. Oh my god, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> oh my I, god. Uh, I uh, got a cameo of Jerry Matt talking my daughter. Oh my god. Oh my stop god. It. Oh my god. That service she is was really crying. funny. She was crying he was like kitty you can do this she's like jerry matt talked me she opened up she's like what is this wait how old are your kids my son is 26 and my daughter is 23 okay yeah so she just started her first job that's awesome that's great wait so as a woman who's made it to the top a lot of our listeners wanted to know your advice on thriving and progressing through the ranks in a very male-dominated work environment Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, this is one I know I'm supposed to be like, work hard, take risks, persevere. So do all of that. (laughs) Um, the truth is I got lucky and what I recognize, particularly my generation of women, um, all of those of us who made it sort of through the wars, um, one of the things that differentiated us is we didn't work for bad men. Um, I never worked for Les Moonves or Charlie Rose or Harvey Weinstein or any of these guys. And and not that they're that, I hope, that many of them out there, but I also never worked for very long for a Todd. A Todd. What is a Todd what, like what? a there we go. Is a Todd the male Karen? I think he may be. And oh, Todd, okay. Well, here, so what we define Todd here at LFS is Todd is male or female, any gender, um, Often a nice guy. Just, God, love Todd. Love Todd. Uh, Everybody wants to be on his golf foursome. He's so terrific. Um, He went to unconscious bias training. He's woke. He has a daughter. And then he just never promotes anybody but people who look like him. Mm. Just never happens. And you're like, what? You know, but it takes several years to figure it out. 
because he promote he um, promotes so few people and hires so few people that you're like, well, it was Steve. Well, it was Jim. You know, this time was Stuart. You know, Chad. You know, and then finally you're like, oh my God, he's actually never going to promote anybody who isn't his carbon copy. Wow. And too many of us, the research tells us, too many of us work for Todd, but then we've been socialized to blame ourselves, right? It's, oh, I better read the book again about how to get ahead in business. Got to work harder. Just, I must have been a little too aggressive or, you know, I probably was a little too ambitious or whatever. I was me. It was me. It was me. And, you know, sometimes it's not you. It's it's them. It's the last mm-hmm. question we have for you. I want to know how you taught your children and especially your daughter about money and investing. Yeah. So it's interesting because I didn't really teach them anything. Okay. I showed them. Okay. And I didn't sit down and say, let's go through this brokerage statement together. It was just that they saw me do it. And so they were socialized in our household that moms invest and dads, you know, also do grocery lists. And there's not that gender breakdown. They heard me practice to ask for the raise. They saw me come home and drink vodka after I got fired. (laughs) You know, they saw the whole thing. And so, you know, when the time was right... Then they would say, my daughter came over with her first budget. I was so proud. She really was. She had a spreadsheet. She printed it out. She came over and we went through the line items together. So for me to have sat down with her when she was 14 and been like, this is where your rent goes. And did we talk about the 50, 30, 20? But as we sat down, we were like, okay, let's see. You Okay, look, you can't get to, you know, the 20, you know, the 20. You've gotten to the two. That's great. She was ready for it. Mm-hmm. She was there as opposed to you know, the special lessons along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Sally, you've been a fantastic guest. Can you tell people where they can find you on the internet and where they can learn more about Elevest? So uh, pretty easy. It's elevest.com, E-L-L-E-V-E-S-T.com. You can go to our app. You can go to the website. Um, We're we're all here. We're all ready to you know, fired up every day to get more money in the hands of women, which not only will help each each of us individually, but, uh, you know, I always love to say I have yet, I've thought hard, I've yet to think of one bad thing that happens when women have more money. It, you know, when we have more money, it is going to be so good for our society and our economy and our kids. And, and, you know, who else? It's going to be good for men too. And where can people find you? Are Me? you on Instagram or oh, on yeah, Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. I um yeah. Is it just um, your name, Sally, Sally Project? Project. Yep. Okay. S a l l i e, k r a w c h e c k. Go find her in all Go of find those me. places. Go find me in those places. I'm there. <laughs> I'm I, my picture's there today. I'm on. Uh, I was on Good Morning America. I'm waving. It's amazing. It's amazing. Oh my God! With Jonathan Van Ness, I have a picture of me. Oh yeah, you were on his podcast. Go listen to Sally's other podcast appearances. It was pretty fun. Not. I mean, also is his hair as good in person? Yeah. Oh my God. And he's as good in person. Really? That's you know, crazy. there was a moment when I was yeah. like, "Is he really?" You know, Jonathan Van Ness. Yeah. And he is. Oh, that's good. That to makes know. me amazing. happy. Yeah. It was amazing. I know. I felt like I was with one of my best friends, and of course, he doesn't know me at all. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it was great. Thank you for being here. Appreciate you it. You've been excellent. Thank you. Oh my God, Grace. How amazing is Sally? Oh, she is the absolute best. I want to be friends with her. Do you share my obsession with her now? Yes, I do. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I feel like I learned so much. I feel like I 
have always been slightly intimidated by the stock market and I don't know where to start. So having somebody like Sally break it down like this was so helpful to me. Yes, agreed. Let's talk about some other things that we are obsessed with. I feel like yeah. I've been spending extra time on Instagram. Who have you discovered on Instagram this week? So I really like this account called Science Sam. And it's just science.sam. And she has had really interesting COVID content. Ooh. See, I'm on the opposite side of the Instagram consumption spectrum. So last weekend, I put a call out on my story for who were people's favorite food follows because I Mm -hmm. have been feeling uninspired and I didn't know what to make this week. So I started following a bunch of people from the Bon Appetit team who were much recommended. But one person that I followed is this guy. His name is Dan Pelosi, and his handle is Grossy Pelosi. And he, everything he makes looks amazing. He lives in Brooklyn somewhere. He's like quarantined with some roommates that he's cooking for. Um, But I especially have been liking his stories. He's cooking things like multiple times a day, and he shares the whole thing on stories. It's great. He's also funny. He's gay. I'm like so into him as both somebody to follow on Instagram, but also somebody that I want to catfish into being my friend. Oh, love it. Yeah. So he's been my fave new food follow. Okay. What about obsessions? So my obsession this week is um, the Oshi Glows tomato soup, which I've definitely talked about all over social media. But it is my favorite tomato soup recipe because it tastes like creamy, like really, really creamy, rich tomato soup. But the secret ingredient is um, the onion that you cook and also um, using cashews, which you soak in vegetable broth to make like this this vegan cream alternative. It's so good. It's really comforting. I'm allergic to cashews, so I don't really have anything to say on the topic. Yeah. So Becca can't have it, but you guys should definitely pick up that cookbook and make that soup. It's beyond. My other one is re is rewatching Damages, which I watched years ago and absolutely loved. And I am um, now I'm on the second season. Ugh, I I haven't watched it. I still haven't really found my quarantine binge watch. I haven't been trying. I've been trying to read instead. Yeah, same. But I will tell you, my obsession has also been taking up a lot of my time. So number one, I've become obsessed with Online Risk, the the board game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who do you play it with? Well, so my friend Kyle and Allie are both into it, but I was upset because when they first suggested we play, I was bad at it. So then I started playing against the computer to get better at it. And now I'm addicted to Online Risk. And this is one of the things that I'm doing before bed that takes up my time and makes me go to bed at 1am because I feel like it takes like an hour to play a game of risk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very into online risk. Okay. I don't know how to defend that position, but here we are. The second thing. I've never played risk. Yeah. I don't know if you would. I don't know if you've never played risk if you would want to start with this, but anyway, I don't think it's time to start. No. (laughs) I mean, do you have like a, I know you're really into candy crush. Do you have like a soothing game obsession that you're, you're playing during quarantine? I haven't been playing any games. I, um, I do love candy crush, but I haven't played it in like a month or two. Oh, um, so I want to get a puzzle. Eh, I don't know if I want to do a puzzle alone. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, my other obsession is that I started sleeping with my sleep mask again. So because I've been going to bed so late, which sleep mask, um, the night one. Okay. And I, it has a plastic, um, insert in it. That's like gel. And I, 
honestly, I don't like that. So I took that out. But it yeah, comes out I was going to say, that's the one thing I don't like about that is the gel thing. It comes out. There's like a pocket. It's not like sti- stitched in or anything. Yeah. It made my eyes all sweaty. I, I woke up with like sweaty eyes. I think it's supposed to be kind of like a gravity blanket for your eyes. So I could see why it would be good, but I don't like it. But yeah, same. Anyway, I have been going to bed so late. And on the weekend, I obviously don't have anything to do. So I can sleep in as late as I want. But my room gets so bright. And so I was finding that I was still up at like 7.30 or 8 every morning. So I started sleeping with my sleep mask on again. And wow, has it changed my quality of sleep. Oh, that's amazing. It's been really, yeah, it's been like really game changing. I used to always sleep with a sleep mask. But I stopped because... um. I got blackout shades, but even the blackout shades, like it's not, it's not hotel room blackout in my Mm -hmm. bedroom. Like they're still light. So yeah. Anyway, what about on the books front? Um, On the books front, I really miss Jessica Simpson. Um, Same. We both finished the audio book this week. I miss her so much. I feel like she was my friend. Um, So I'm going through a withdrawal there. Um, But two books that I absolutely loved like loved 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 and if you follow me on instagram this is old news but big summer by jennifer weiner it's fantastic jennifer weiner writes i think really well about female friendships and like cute types of relationships but there's a major twist in this which completely threw me off in a good way so i loved that that one's in my tbr pile i haven't gotten i haven't gotten to it yet but i'm excited too and the other one was by Vari McFarlane, which it's spelled M-H-A-I-R-I, which you recommended last week. Um, it's called If I Never Met You. It's probably my favorite book I've read in 2020, maybe. Grace, I'm it's, so excited. I have been singing her praises for years. She's my favorite British chiclet author. I want you to go yeah. back and read all of her books. I want to now. So I'm not generally as into that genre as you are. So I... I, I had it on my shelf. It got sent to me. I didn't buy it. Um, and I was like, hmm, whatever. And then you talked about it. And then I was like, I think now is a good time. But this has like a devastating breakup. Then it has a wonderful like scheme, like a, a good little revenge plot. There's a little bit of a makeover. Um, there's a romance. There's a very dashing British man. Um, it's fantastic. I loved every bit of it. It reminded me a little bit of the hating game in some ways, I think, with the office um, oh, yeah, I can see that a little. Yeah, like totally different. But um, yeah, I just loved it. I, I want everyone I know to read it. Yeah, it's so cute. Yeah, it's a really good quarantine read. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? So I also read If I Never Met You. I read it in one night. I stayed up way too late on Friday night reading it. And I, I read it cover to cover in one sitting. I loved it. Oh, my gosh. It's like 480 pages. I know. I mean, I started in like the late afternoon. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was great. And then I have been having – so I was not complaining, but I was saying before that I'm having trouble reading because of focus. So I feel like I busted through that barrier. But now my new barrier is that I just can't figure out what I want to read. So I've been picking up books and I'll read 25 pages and I'll be like, "Eh, this isn't what I'm in the mood for and put it down. And I'm just like being very – much more selective or like just needing to be in the mood for something. So mm-hmm. I I tried a few things and it's not against any of these books. I will go back to them, but wasn't scratching the itch. So I was like, maybe the answer is smut. So I started reading like a, you know, like a sexy romance book. Yeah. So I saw this recommended on our Facebook 
page in our Facebook group. It's called Us Again by L. Okay. Maxwell. And mm-hmm. Grace, it's a tr- it's kind of a train wreck, but I'm but I'm reading oh. it. Basically, the premise is this girl who apparently went to Boston College. Boston College is a Jesuit Catholic school, so I cannot imagine that they know that this sex book is written set on their campus. But anyway, it's kind of funny to think about. So she is a graduate student there, and her ex-boyfriend shows up out of the blue because he's just gotten out of prison where he was unfairly convicted on murder charges. Oh, my God. And he's there to win her back. And it's like definitely a train wreck, but... It's like, I'm like, I'm here for it. Sure. So yeah, I'm like, oh, maybe smut's the answer. I don't know if it's going to stay the answer. But for now, I'm like, yeah, this is good. Yeah. So I also I also downloaded on my Kindle the president book that you're that you were recommending a few months ago. Oh, Commander in Chief. No, a different one. Oh, are there two? Yeah, I think it's like Commander in Chief, Mr. President. There's a series. I downloaded Mr. President. Is that not the first one? I don't know. Oh, okay. it was so long ago that I read it. Okay. It's so, on my blog. So I downloaded Mr. President, which I'll okay. see if it's the first book or not, but I haven't tried that. So okay, that's that's where I am in my reading. Great. Well, if you guys need something to read, we highly recommend our April b- book pick, which is In Five Years by Rebecca Searle. And this book is wonderful. It's, it is a little bit sad. So if you're not in the mood for something sad, I, I, would, I would not reach for this just yet. But... It's the kind of book I read it in a night. It um it's very cathartic. Like I cried a lot, but it wasn't in a bad way. Um it was really heartwarming and like magical. Yeah, it's really great. It's about a woman who has her life together and is like high up at a law firm. She has this perfect boyfriend, she has a perfect apartment. She's like checking all the boxes. She has a dream. And in that dream, it's five years later. She's with a completely different man in a completely different apartment, and her life is completely different. And then the book follows the two years in between, or sorry, the five years in between the two time periods, and we see what happens to her. And Mm -hmm. the book was great. It had a huge twist that I didn't see coming. I agree. It was super cathartic, and it's short. So I think it's like a a good read for right now. Yes, it's very short. It's I, I'm surprised she was able to write something so powerful in such a like a short, I don't know, in a, such a short structure. Yeah. And in addition to that, if you would like more of us, come join our Facebook group. I feel like there's been even more than usual, so many book wrecks flying around. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. And I blog every day at thestripe.com. And we'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye.